sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. It's in the liturgy, especially at the Mass, that we have the greatest possible encounter with Jesus Christ, this side of heaven. So we're called by the church to enter into the Mass most fully. How do we do that? By singing. That's what we're going to be talking about today on Ignition. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into the topic of the Mass and singing, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. And the easiest way to do so is by email. The address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. I am joined via, via teleconference once again by Dr. Bob Rice. Hi, Bob. Hey, Chris. How are you doing? Good to have you. You here with us last week. For folks, if they didn't listen, they should go back. We had a great conversation about the Gospels, and we talked there. Well, I'm going to I'm going to save the segue till after you introduce yourself <laughs> a little bit. That sounds great. So I'm Dr. Bob Rice. I'm a professor of catechetics at Franciscan University of Steubenville. I also keep forgetting to mention I have my own podcasts, two of them. Uh, I have a weekly podcast with Father Dave Pavanka, who's president here at Franciscan University of Steubenville, called They That Hope, uh, where we seek, where we kind of look for humor and hope in a crazy world. And I have in every other week, that bi-weekly or bi-monthly? That's get that it's neither. It's every other week. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's no, it's bi-weekly. It's bi-weekly. It's bi-weekly. Okay. It's not semi-monthly. Semi-monthly is twice a month. I get paid semi-monthly, but you record. Oh, no, then mine is semi-monthly because it's every other week. Not. Well, never mind. <laughs> you know what? Just look up speaking with deacons. Uh, it's a <laughs> podcast I do where I, as I prepare for my own diaconal ordination. I interviewed deacons about uh, their witness, their testimony, their wisdom in terms of that ministry, and particularly any deacons out there or any uh, of those who are discerning to be a deacon or just want to know more about it. Uh, you can check out that podcast, Speaking with Deacons, available where all fine podcasts. So I've listened to Day That Hope. I, I knew, but I forgot. Well, I, 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 I guess I didn't pay close enough attention. Um, speaking with deacons, how long have you been doing that? Uh. This year, so not not too long. Okay. You know, probably maybe 10 or 12 episodes into it at this point. So that's a newer one. Have you had Deacon Mark Erste on that show yet? Out of curiosity. <laughs> well, you know, he's my formator, so I'd be really intimidated, actually, to have him on this show. Okay. I think I'm going to wait till after I'm ordained. After you're ordained, uh, okay. I, I don't want him to tell me on the show, by the way, you're not going to make it. So that would be just a little bit awkward. He'll be my, he'll be my first post-ordination guest. There we go. All right. Well, I look forward to that. Um, so, as I mentioned, uh, last week we talked about the Gospels, and, and, and just a brief part of the show there, we talked about um, how we, we, we read, we prayerfully read um, the, the Gospels, uh, among other reasons, So one of them being so that when we uh, participate in the Mass, we know more deeply the one who we are encountering um, in the Mass. So, so maybe that might be a connection between last week's and this week's. But um, this week, focusing more on the Mass, and particularly, Bob, singing at the Mass. And I'm, again, I'm just going to, the thing that, as we were talking about maybe this topic, you made a, a great distinction that I never considered, the, sing, the distinction between singing at Mass and the mass being sung. And I don't know if that'd be a place to start or... Yeah, no, it's a great place to start because 
when we talk about music at mass, and this even happens, you know, with uh, musicians, I'm, I'm really blessed to also be a musician. I get to lead a lot of the worship at student summer conferences. And when I find musicians that approach liturgy, they often fall into a bit of a, like a four song trap, which is what's the opening song? What's the song for preparation of gifts? What's the communion song? What's the recessional? Yeah. And when people think of music at mass, that is often what they think. However, the church has a much different thought. It's not so much that we sing at mass, but the mass is sung. And it is one of the major parts, you might even argue could be the heart of a lot of the liturgical reform that happened uh, in the Second Vatican Council. When the Second Vatican Council wanted to encourage you know, full active conscious participation, one of the prime ways of having that happen was through music. Now, first and foremost, the music it was concerned about was actually that the prayers would be chanted. So again, don't even worry about a music ministry team. Don't think about whatever group of musicians you like or don't like, you know, even before we get a choir or anything else happening, the liturgy wanted to become more musical in terms of what the priest was praying and how the congregation was responding, because it's in that action of music and singing that um, our hearts are more engaged. You know, it's that famous phrase of St. Augustine, singing is like praying twice. Like it, it's, in, it's just engaging more senses. You know, I, I actually always get a little bugged when we speak the mass parts, mm. you know, because it just sounds like holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, <laughs> heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. What time is it? When will this mass be over? You know, like that's almost like the attitude, you know, that, that we have. And even just, uh, you know, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, like we're automatically just in a different place than if we're just doing this recitation of words yeah um singing gives it a meter it gives it a structure and it gives an opportunity for for people to participate more more greatly in it and so really that's at the heart of you know what i wanted to try to unpack a bit today because sometimes i think sometimes i think we miss that we are invited to sting the masks and that's how we're all called to really participate in a, in a very beautiful way so, um, as people are, <laughs> so first of all, priests right now are terrified. Uh, <laughs> not, not all of them, actually. Not all of them. Uh, yeah, and, and just a shout out to to my parish priest, actually, Father Sean Haggerty, has a, has a beautiful um, singing voice. And he oftentimes sure. chants um, the mass parts. Uh, at least some of them, if if not all of them, and he does a beautiful mm-hmm. job. And just real quick, this is a brief uh, tangent, um, Bob, but I, I I want to I want to go down this tangent for at least a little bit. I think one time, one reason why people might be th- hearing this, and apart from priests being terrified of what you're what we're, we're saying they should be doing, um, is that. W- Sometimes I think there's an a, a, a easy way, whether it makes sense or not, but I'm going to say it, an easy way where chant is done, done wrong, where it's made yeah. very dirgy, right? So yeah. I think we all have this, uh, most of us as, as at least American Catholics have this idea when you chant, it becomes much slower. And, and it's not, uh, one of our former directors of worship <laughs> made the great point that chant 
when it's actually the way chant's supposed to be done, it's supposed to be at the normal speaking pace. Right. It's spoken word sung. That is supposed to be the pace. And I think sometimes we turn chant into some kind of, yeah, dirge or ballad, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, we, I, I have this conversation with students all the time at Franciscans. Slower does not mean more sacred. I yeah. mean, that sometimes seems to be the attitude, you know, that is present. So like a beautiful chant, like the Salve Regina, for example, yeah. um, sometimes at Franciscan, you know, a student will leave and they'll be like, Salve Regina. You know, it's like, <laughs> stop. No, 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 no. Um, Salve Regina. I mean, you're really speaking it as you're singing it. Maybe it slows down a little bit just because actually when you're singing in a congregation, it naturally, the tempo goes back a bit just so everybody's staying, staying right. present to it. But, you know, it should be Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, right? It's not Sanctus, Sanctus, yeah, everybody. You know, I mean, we can really mess with chant if we don't sing it in its proper genre. And so, you know, chant is um, is proper to the liturgy. Yeah. It's an interesting thing I say that because I play a lot of contemporary music right. at liturgies. Right. And it's just my, you know, I, I play acoustic guitar and I do a lot of youth and young adult things. So people are always surprised when I quote unquote admit that chant is proper to the liturgy. But the reason it's proper to the liturgy is it's proper to mainly the liturgical prayers. The beautiful thing about chant is a, it's simple. Um, and it's, and everybody sings the same note, which is all part of what the liturgy is about, that we're similar in our voice. We're similar in our gestures. Like we're all doing the same thing together. Many people don't realize that actually the second Vatican council really tried to bring back Gregorian chant. Right. Previous to previous to the Second Vatican Council, there were a lot of polyphonies, uh, choir arrangements. I mean, it was beautiful in its own sense, but none of it was geared towards participation, which by the way, isn't to say that we shouldn't be doing that. You know, beauty has its own level of participation, but at least at the heart of what the liturgy is about is those kinds of chants, songs that encourage uh, the singing of the faithful, primarily, again, for the mass parts. Uh, we can, as a music minister, it's easy to get caught up in what's the opening song, what's the closing song, but I want to do the mass parts really well. And as somebody participating in the liturgy, I want to do the kinds of mass parts that the congregation can participate in. I, I want them to sing the Gloria, for example, and I don't want them to think that the Gloria is just another song that we sing. Like, this is the prayer of the church. Like, you can get rid of the opening, closing. You know, you don't need that other yep. stuff for liturgy. I think it makes it more beautiful, and it is an opportunity for people to engage more deeply in worship. But they're not necessary. The glory is necessary. The psalm response is necessary. The holy, holy, holy is necessary. Like, the liturgy doesn't happen without those things. And that's really where the church is looking for the congregation to be the active group of praying people get to participate in this Mass. You're listening to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, talking today with Dr. Bob Rice about not, not singing at Mass, but singing the Mass. 
particularly was we we're just talking about the mass parts. In addition, as you said to Dr. Rice about the the opening closing songs, the four songs, if you will, but not getting trapped in those. Now, a little bit ago, a few minutes ago, I talked about how priests are terrified by what you're proposing, <laughs> but it's not just priests who might be like some of us who are not blessed with the either the natural gift that you have or the trained gift or both that you right. have in terms of your voice. Um, yeah, if if yeah. I, you can sing on this episode. I'm not going to sing on this episode. Um, but, but, I had a friend of mine who has a, he, he does not have a good voice. He does not have a good ear. Uh, but he always, his attitude was, well, Lord, you gave this voice to me. I'm just going to give it right back to you. So my you know, thing, and, he, and, and he wasn't worried about it. He's like, well, this is the voice you gave me. I'm just going to sing it right back. And I don't care what people think. And amen. There's amen. a beautiful boldness to that, that I appreciate that many other people might not have. Right. <laughs> I do. I have the ear. I just don't have the voice. So someday, hopefully, those two things will match up. Um, so, but it's it's not just the priest, but the people as well. As you said, the glory yeah. of the Sanctus, uh, where we're all again. It's being led by obviously the priest is the one who might literally set the tone. Um, he's the presider. He's leading this. Is, but this is something that we can all participate in. Uh, so, so I want to maybe, and again, you can redirect if you want to, but. What say say more if you can about why you, you give that great thing about how earlier uh, a recita a recited mass is just it, 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 there's something that's absent with a recited mass as opposed to a song which includes chanted a song mass. Uh, can you say is there more to be said about that or feel free to redirect if you prefer? No, I I think there is. Again, I, I think. Sometimes it's good to see things in contrast. So one of the concerns of the Second Vatican Council was the lack of participation of the laity in the liturgy. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was Pius XI, Pope Pius XI, that said that uh, he's concerned that the laity have become passive bystanders yeah. uh, in, in the work of the liturgy. And, um, you know, seeing some of those earlier liturgical, um, you know, movements really unfortunately, there just wasn't a lot of engagement and there wasn't a lot of connectivity. So the fact that the laity now has liturgical prayers to pray is a huge gift of the Second Vatican Council. And I think we, as laity, as people in the congregation, need to like be kind of in awe, like, oh, we have a part in this liturgy? Like, we have lines? <laughs> like, we have prayers to pray? It's not just what's happening on the altar. It's what's happening in the church. Yeah. And we are in that church together. And so I would say first and foremost, one of the things that we should approach the liturgy with is really this gift following the Second Vatican Council that I've got a part to play. Like I've I've got prayers to pray. You know, I'm 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 a part of the celebration. I'm not just a passive bystander. I'm not watching it like it's some kind of show. And and Lord help us in our humility, I'm certainly not there to be the critic you know, of what's going on in as much as I'm being invited to, to have a part and to pray and to start by seeing those mass parts, that is a part of, of my prayer. And the most effective way is that they're sung. Now, uh, the church also has this cool thing. It talks about progressive solemnity, which is to say that it has different levels of feasts mm -hmm. and music is probably one of the best ways to accentuate uh, the solemnity of a moment. So, for example, in Lent, we might tone the music down and not even have a closing song. But in Easter, we're singing Alleluia all the time, and it's over the top, right? 
that music gives the liturgy a different feel one from the other. And that's kind of a beautiful thing about music. So even when we talk about chanting at, you know, the liturgy, um, a Sunday liturgy is a bigger deal than a weekday liturgy, assuming it's not a feast or, you know, some, something of that nature. So maybe a priest would say, well, I'm not necessarily going to chant my Tuesday morning mass, right? but I want to find ways to be more musical for the Sunday mass, because this is the resurrection of Christ. This is the one we're obligated to go to in a joyful way. And this is how we might participate in it more. Um, many priests don't have good voices. I mean, the nice thing about chant is it's a bit accessible. You know, it, you don't need a great voice to be able to chant, or you can lean on a good music ministry team. And it would be up to them to really think about how might we play music that engages the congregation. And mm. I think that's always a big challenge. Like, you know, the, the primary instrument of the liturgy is the voice. Yeah. That's again, the beautiful thing about chant, it's the voice. So even though I've got a, you know, a band with me, so to speak, and, and I've got different instruments and in different groups, I'm still trying to do things that make the voice the dominant instrument and particularly the congregation's voice, the dominant response. Sadly, as Catholics, we're not really great at singing. Right, <laughs> I think right. we often just are a bit sheepish with it. Um, but that doesn't mean we should just give up the fight because there's a lot of beauty and a lot of grace uh, in entering into the liturgy in that kind of way. Well, and again, to me, that that kind of connects back to how I opened this show in terms of what's the what's the well, so what? What? Why? Why do I? Why should I care, if you will, about whether or not the mass is sung, whether the chant or in some other way? And it, it's precisely though we, we've we've talked about it multiple times already in 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 the show. It's so that I can pray the mass more fully, uh, because the mass is the place. Um, the one of the privileged encounters with the other sacraments yeah. uh, with Jesus Christ. So if I if I'm taking my faith. Seriously, if I'm taking my relationship with my Lord seriously, our Lord, um, then I want to do whatever I can to make the encounter with him in the liturgy that much richer and praying, uh, singing the mass, not just singing at mass, but singing the mass is one of the ways to do that. Yeah, I want to share with you a quote from the bishop's document called Sing to the Lord. And in number 26, it says this, singing is one of the primary ways that the assembly of the faithful participates actively in the liturgy. So it's not the only way, but it's the primary way, or, you know, um, one of the primary ways. People are encouraged to take parts by means of acclamations, responses, psalms, antiphons, and hymns. The musical formation of the assembly must be a continuing concern in order to foster full conscious and active mm. participation. And so we're kind of hitting on the second part, you know, which we were alluding to, Chris, the idea that if this is such a big deal, and I would say that sometimes we lose sight of it. I mean, that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this, that uh, again, we can just kind of narrow music down to a few hymns from the songbook as we're coming and going from mass. And we, and we miss a more, a richer understanding of playing our part you know, uh, participating in the way the church wants us, you know, particularly in terms of uh, mass parts, and that a congregation really needs to work on this, you know, really needs to 
make this a, a, a bigger deal sometimes than they might treat it because this is the vision of the liturgy. This is the vision of what the church wants us to be doing, to be singing the mass together so that we can be more fully, consciously, actively engaged in what the Lord is doing in the liturgy. I'm, uh, if you're just tuning in this into Ignition, I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, visiting today with Dr. Bob Rice about singing the Mass. So, Bob, so often um, liturgical music is sort of, some people call it the third rail. Uh, it's the like New York, the subway. <laughs> yeah. The third rail is the rail that's electrified, and you don't want to touch that because it'll kill you. So, uh, usually <clears throat> conversations around liturgical music are, are strongly avoided, strictly avoided, because they can yeah. be so, so con- come so contentious. You've already alluded to that. But what I love here is the way that we're addressing is just sh- sort of talking about how, again, it's it's not primarily about praying at, singing at Mass. It's about singing the Mass uh, and what that means and why it matters. But sort of to get into maybe in the, the seven minutes or so we have left, sort of the how to, um, how, how can we do this better? And I th- I'm thinking of um, different groups who might be listening. I'm thinking of, of, of well, clergy in general, but pr- priests in particular. Uh, I'm thinking of music ministers or music ministry teams. And then I'm thinking of the laity, the congregation, um, because uh, each of those different groups, and there might be more, um, or demographics, if you will, uh, are, are going to have more or less to do with singing the mass well, so I'm thinking like a, a, a priest might be, well, Dr. Rice, how, how can I, I'm bad at this. I'm like Bergwald. I can't carry a note to save my life. Um, what do I do? Or maybe, maybe the music ministry, well, I can sing, but father can't, or the people can't. What do I do? And maybe the people like me, like, I love this idea, but I'm awful. Like, what do you have for us, Bob? Yeah, well, I would say a few things about that. First and foremost, um, is it a priority? That that would be one of my first questions, because I think sometimes the issue isn't addressed because we don't recognize its significance that's present. Um, is the musical participation of the assembly a priority, as the church has said it, it should be? And, you know, Chris, in parishes, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of things going on, and music can kind of just be thrown to the side. Sure. Um, we don't do a great job, you know, particularly compared to our Protestant brothers and sisters, many times, like the worship is the, is the thing they do. The musical worship is the thing they do. So they really invest well in musicians in a way that sometimes as Catholics, we just don't have resources or maybe just the passion to, to do that. I know it's actually tough to get a good music gig, so to speak, on a regular basis uh, in, in Catholic parishes. And so, um, with those that we have, you know, with the volunteers we have, with the music that we're doing, are we all on the same page? That's something Sing to the Lord really encourages, that there should be conversations with uh, the pastor and the, the priests at the parish, with those in charge of music ministry, with, with the congregation. And so that that music minister doesn't feel a bit hung out to dry with the songs he or she picks. And, and that's a horrible place to be. I've been there as a music minister myself. Yeah. Like whatever songs you pick are fine. Well, you know, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, that's not true. Right. Um, but I always feel more competent and comfortable when I've had a conversation with the pastor and when we've kind of vetted songs through people that, you know, this is, 
in a sense, what every parish needs to do is it needs to create its own kind of musical vocabulary yeah. of songs that congregation is comfortable singing. Uh, you know, you're occasionally going to add to that mix and take from that mix, you know, as, as time goes on, but just this, just this language, so to speak. And, and some parishes actually like to do this within different times of liturgies, you know, so there's a different musical style at the 11 a.m. than the 5 p.m., right? Or maybe the 8 a.m. has no music. You know, some people, you know, would rather would rather have that. But I think it's good to wrestle with, because just as you were saying, Chris, because it can get a bit contentious at times, people want to avoid it. Yep. And when we avoid it, we don't do it. And then we're really missing out on it. You know, it's almost like, let's have the tough conversation. Let's try to do our best. I mean, the beautiful thing about music is music is an element of art and beauty in liturgy. But art and beauty can be subjective. And that's where sometimes the tension comes. The solution is not, let's just remove all art and beauty from this. And let's just be totally functional. Let's just say the prayers. Let's just get through this and make sure everything's valid and nobody's upset. Well, now you've just made it the lowest common denominator. And yes, the liturgy was valid. And yes, but are we missing something more beautiful that we could be doing here? So, um, I mean, in the brief time we have, I would probably say the first thing to do is that we would have conversations with each other. And as a music minister, I really try to be humble to the needs of the congregation, the desires of the congregation. I'm not up there playing my favorite songs. I'm just trying to play the songs that, that they sing. Right. And then sing to the Lord, if we have time for it, uh, just a few more seconds. Sing to the Lord has a, has a beautiful thing where it talks about there's three judgments when we pick music. It's the pastoral judgment, liturgical judgment, and the musical judgment. You know, pastoral is, is this good for the community? Does it reflect the culture of the community, the temperament of the community? Liturgical, is this in line with the feast that we're celebrating? Are the songs we're singing connecting to the scriptures, particularly to the antiphon, if we don't do an antiphon? And musically, is it something that is something that is beautiful, but simple? And, you know, music and liturgy acts like a really good frame. It should pull out the colors. It should put it all together. But the focus, of course, is the word. And the focus, of course, is the Eucharist, you know, not something that would distract. And finding a way within a congregation to do that um, is really essential for beautiful liturgies to be celebrated. Not just for those four songs, but for everything we're praying so that, that everybody can really be actively participating and the Lord can dwell amongst the praises of his people. Amen. Amen. Um, so uh, 45 seconds, Bob, uh, if, if, if just a, a simple, humble layperson, uh, not music ministry, not cleric, what can they do? Uh, what would you recommend? Because we don't want, I don't want, want people, I work for a bishop, I don't want people running to their pastor and waving this episode in his face. You need to be chanting the mass. We need to be doing right, music right, right, right. more. Uh, what can we do as laity to foster this? Try. Mm. I mean, really, like, if you don't like the song, try to sing it. Mm. Open up the songbook. I mean, I know as a music minister, sometimes it's like, you know, this is number 20, you know, 23 in your songbook and people are just staring at you like, I'm not singing, (laughs) you know, just try, (laughs) please. Like, can we work together? And if you don't like it, then communicate in a loving and charitable way other than stop singing, but other, you know, what might we sing together? What might we pray together? Um, 
it's a beautiful thing when you're in a place where people are singing. Great. I think it's one of the beautiful gifts of Franciscan University. People come to our mass and they're like, oh my gosh, everybody's beautiful. singing. Great. Thanks, and there's Bob. there's spirit and there's a prayer there. So that's Great. what I would say. Give it a try. That sounds good. Thanks, Bob. And folks, that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for, your, for, for future episodes. And until <laughs> next time, may God bless you.